Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll hear how a pharmacist had a chance meeting over coffee with two technology companies and the three of them came up with an idea for the new creation of Consana Health. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that my book is now available on Amazon. Go check out how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. It's a great book dedicated to women in pharmacy leadership. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Dr. Carmen Stevens, who is the Vice President of Clinical Services at Consana. Her responsibilities include strategic program development and implementation, including the oversight of Consana Clinical Operations and Service Innovation. She wears several other hats and as well and is no stranger to hard work, having started her path at the age of 19 as a clerk in a busy chain pharmacy. And she graduated from Texas Tech Health Sciences Center Uh, School of Pharmacy in 2010 and went right to work for that same busy chain, but ultimately ended up in long-term care looking for a way to improve patient care. Uh, She has been a director of pharmacy and has watched talented pharmacists become burnt out because they were greatly underutilized. And uh, a chance meeting with two technology companies changed all of that and uh, led to the creation of Consana. So, Carmen, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Yeah, um, sure. You know, like you said uh, in my bio, I um, I am the vice president of clinical for Kinsana. Um, and and like you said, that did start over uh, a chance meeting, which I'm sure we can get into a little bit later, but um, had, had a lot to do with uh, networking and kind of uh, recognizing that a couple of different companies uh, that I knew were working uh, sort of in two different directions to solve the same problem. And so I basically uh, forced them to go to dinner together and meet each other. And uh, that's how Consana started. Um, we can talk about that more too. Um, but but really, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. I am coming to you from uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, really, it's Richardson. That's the suburb that our office is in. Um, but Consana, we've got a couple of different, uh, we've got headquartered, I guess, in Richardson, but then we have a satellite in uh, Minneapolis as well. Um, and we've got pharmacists all over the country uh, working working for us, uh, trying to solve uh, the issue of, uh, I guess, really overall clinical pharmacy services, how to deliver them and how we get paid for them. So, uh, so that's what we're doing and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, well, what what is the the problem or the the solution that that Consana is doing for um, people? Tell us a little bit more about kind of what 
how that transpired and what the conversation was um, to lead to the development of the new company. And, and when was that? How long has Kinsana been around? Uh, yeah. So it was, so back in 2017, I was a uh, director of pharmacy for a long-term care pharmacy, but I was, I, you know, of course through networking and things like that, I had met some different um, vendors like you do at conferences and shows and things. Um, one of them uh, being a, a consultant software and dispensing uh, packaging software for pharmacy company. And the other being a health information exchange. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, I would encourage your listeners to to Google it and find out. It's really sort of about uh, the buzzword interoperability that you hear people talk about, uh, really just kind of connecting data from different systems, which I think everybody at this point knows is a pretty big problem in our health right. system. Um, and so the idea being, hey, wait a second, you know, you two, you two companies are um, talking, you know, they were, they would both call me up and, and use me as a, a resource, like a pharmacy expert for things and ask me about MTM um, and tell me that, hey, you know, why aren't pharmacists taking advantage of this, this payment method? Why aren't pharmacists doing MTM? Why are 88% of uh, Medicare beneficiaries uh, not receiving this well, let me tell you, you know, it kind of started like that. Let me tell you about all the barriers uh, that we see in our practice. Let me tell you why folks are, are not getting this done. Um, and so through that process of trying to sort of eliminate those barriers, we said, hey, you know, well, I said, actually, I said, hey, wait a second. You know, you two, like I said um, before in the intro, you guys really, um, you're trying to kind of get at the same problem. Both of them are looking at MTM solutions, uh, but, but we're just in different places. Uh, but I thought, you know, the two of you, there's definitely some synergy. So uh, let's let's connect. Let's let's meet. And so uh, one of them, I knew I knew we would be in the same place at the same time, basically. And so I strategically. Uh, invited them both to dinner. And it was really kind of funny because um, they were both really just not into meeting each other. They did not want to. They were, you know, uh, companies are kind of funny about sharing secrets and stuff like that. And so uh, it was a very like crossed arm, uh, ugh, you know, okay, I guess we'll, we'll, I'll meet you. Great, whatever. Um, and then within like 10 minutes, it was, it was laughter and sharing stories and, you know, really both of them realizing that um, they were, uh, you know, in, in sort of the same place in terms of what they were trying to do. And so um, that really is how uh, Consana got started. So they decided uh, to go off and, and make this company. And so, of course, uh, you know, who better than than the person who kind of got them together than to than me to be at the um, at the center of the of the pharmacy clinical development team. So uh, so that's how that happened. And that's how that got started. And really um, what we're what we're trying to do is take that data that I talked about from the health information exchange and. Um, embed that into a software program so that um, the pharmacist has access to real-time data about that patient. So we're talking about data from your EHR, your hospital system, your pharmacy dispensing system, no matter whether it's uh, long-term care, whether it's retail, whatever whatever that data is. Um, the, we also have a personal health record. Uh, so if you think about what I always like to tell my pharmacy students is, 
if you think about a long time ago, which, you know, most of them are really young and think I'm, you know, old lady when I talk about uh, back in the day when you couldn't just go to an ATM anywhere. Uh, you couldn't just walk into a 7-Eleven and put your ATM card in some random non-your-bank uh, non ATM, I guess, um, and pull out money and check your, uh, check your bank account. You couldn't do that back a long time ago. Um, my pharmacy students don't remember that, but that's okay. Um, and so I tell them, you know, Back then, um, the banks had the same problem. They had the same problem of interoperability and uh, the ability for, for one bank to speak the same language as the other bank, essentially, with their software. And so they solved that problem. And now you can go anywhere, check your bank account anywhere. You can check it on your phone. You can send money to people. Um, and so the idea here being that we need something similar to that in our healthcare system. Um, and so the personal health record is that really, I mean, it's a, it's a place on your phone where your personal health data is stored. It belongs to you as the patient. Um, and so you should be able to access that anywhere. You should be able to uh, share that with whoever you want. And you, if something happens to you, let's say you're on vacation uh, out of state and you get into an accident, uh, you know, forbid, uh, you could walk into a hospital and share your health information and it wouldn't be like a new day for the people treating you. So all of your history, all your data, all of that stuff would be there for, for the team to see and probably uh, would lead to better care for you. Yes. So let's, let's kind of stop right there. Cause I love that idea of a portable medication history, portable medication, uh, information, all of that. And all mm -hmm. of that, is that the solution of what Consana is doing or yeah, I'm just, just so it's kind of clear of what the software is and then how do the pharmacists um, access it? Is it pharmacists that work for Consana or are you guys partnering with pharmacy chains or independents or individual consultants? Um, tell us a little bit more. Is it a solution for, for patients to have access to this or, um, yeah. 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 So the personal health record is just part of sort of the, the technology stack that Consana has access to. So we've we've really built it so that we've got this kind of ecosystem in place now. Um, so we wanted to be able to make sure that we captured all of the data from all of the sources. And so the personal health record is really just a part of that. Um, it works in conjunction with other health information, you know, uh, sources. So like I said, EHRs, hospitals, dispensing systems, um, but it's just a place for the patient to have access to their data and make changes if they need to or add things. Um, but so Consana uh, just utilizes that like I said, as part of our stack, um, all of that feeds into our uh, clinical software uh, solution that our pharmacists use. So Consana has pharmacists uh, all over the country um, that can, can really perform comprehensive medication management um, for, for patients anywhere in any setting, um, whether they are you know, high-risk uh, geriatric patients, behavioral health, IDV. Um, we really were trying to get after um, those patients that really need maybe an MTM, 
um, probably, uh, you know, have all of the chronic diseases and, and, and several, you know, polypharmacy medications, but for one reason or another, they don't qualify for an MPM. So those are the, the patients that we're really, we've been going after um, to try and help solve uh, some of their drug therapy problems. Um, and we've been very successful so far. Um, with the idea- are you just Medicare eligible patients or what type of patients are you focused on? Well, you know what? It's in the beginning, we started by targeting uh, value-based uh, payers. So your ACOs, your different organizations that uh, are responsible for that patient's care in all aspects. So they're, you know, maybe all of their medical care, but maybe even their housing, their transportation, things like that, um, to make sure that we were helping uh, to bring value to that whole system and uh, decrease the cost of care. Uh, that's that's how it started. And that's where a lot of our pilots and a lot of our demonstration uh, came from. We published a white paper about um, our estimated cost avoidance that we, that we found from uh, these different groups. What was surprising about it was that um, we had several different groups of patients. So some that were living in the community uh, that weren't Medicare eligible per se. Um, the average age was 54, so they were they were actually quite young compared to uh, most of the folks that are eligible for Medicare. But um, they did have several chronic diseases. They most of them had had a transition from um, skilled nursing to the community. And so uh, we came in and uh, intervened with, with medication uh, you know, reviews. There's that group. And then there was another group that uh, was a behavioral health uh, setting. So they were all patients in a group home. They had advocates that would speak to us on their behalf. Um, but what I'm getting at is the surprising thing was that uh, regardless of the setting, uh, with comprehensive medication management and the tools that we have available to us in terms of the technology, uh, we were able to set, to solve the same amount of drug therapy problems in each group. And the estimated cost avoidance uh, in both groups was about the same. So that was really interesting to us. And so what we've done is we've taken that and we've gone to payers and said, hey, uh, how, how is your medication therapy management program going? Uh, what's your, what's your CMR completion rate? Um, you know, and, and we're finding that a lot of payers are kind of, uh, I guess, I don't want to say tired, but, you know, they're, they're looking for something uh, more modern. They're looking for a more modern solution to uh, their, their medication therapy management program. And so what we've done is contracted directly with, with payers uh, to, to kind of help uh, shore up, I guess, those programs. Um, sure. Yeah. So you're, you're basically a business to business with payers. So the ACOs who are taking the risk on for those lives, and then you're able to get access to all of their patient data, pulling from pharmacy data, medical histories from um, hospital visits or, or doctor's visits, et cetera. And you've got access to all of that and are able to target their patient population to help get all of their MTMs for Medicare eligible or just providing any type of comprehensive medication management uh, for their population. 
Exactly. And, you know, what is really great about it is I say, you know, we're really able to do um, CMM on an MTM budget. And what that means is because of the technology that we have available to us and the fact that we have access to real time patient data, uh, we can do a more comprehensive job um, of of that MTM um, and and really, uh, everybody wins, right? The payer uh, is paying us for an MTM type encounter, um, but we're spending, you know, we're, we're able to spend uh, less time digging in the weeds, trying to collect data and call around and get faxes and things like that. We're able to actually just spend the time with the patient um, and then doing our clinical review. So um, it's, it becomes a much more comprehensive service uh, for, for really the same cost as an NPM. Yeah. And are you usually showing that value to the payer through cost avoidance, quality measures? What kind of measures are you capturing to then show back as the value add for uh, your customer who is a, a payer? Yeah, so absolutely cost avoidance. So we dug through all kinds of literature. Um, you know, at first there's, it seems like there's some secret sauce to that. Uh, and so we had to kind of figure that out where, you know, we're mainly pharmacists, or at least in the beginning we were. And so it was just some pharmacists kind of putting our heads together and trying to extract uh, some of this stuff from the literature. And we've we've come up with uh, what we feel are, uh, is, is a pretty good uh I guess, algorithm for that um, through looking at different, you know, different guidelines. Like, and then there's, there's some costs associated with some disease states and things like that, that you can find out there. Um, so that's one thing, but then, and so, and so we've, we've been able to assign a dollar value to each type of recommendation and intervention that we make and that we get approved. So that's one thing. And that's very, uh, I will say, that's very attractive, especially to payers and value-based organizations. Um, when you can, when you can really put down on paper, uh, hey, if X amount of uh, recommendations and interventions, uh, this is the estimated cost avoidance uh, that you'll that you'll incur. Um, so that's one thing. And then absolutely quality measures, he just measures star ratings, all of that kind of uh, good stuff is thrown in there too. Um, that doesn't hurt. Um, and then. Mm-hmm. We've also developed our own set of uh, clinical uh, key performance indicators uh, that is internal for us, but we've built that into our software as well so that uh, every every intervention that we make goes towards that, uh, that API and we can, we can calculate um, some good metrics that way too. Interesting. And so I remember, I think it was the University of Minnesota had found a 12 to 1 ROI um, for MTM services. Are you guys seeing any of those similar metrics or um, what was kind of the gold standard that you guys were using? Yeah, it, you know, it's it's really a little bit higher than that at this point. I think I think we're more in line with like 17, 18 to one um, is where where we're at right now. Um, mm-hmm. And and like I said, we see that uh, across the board when we no matter where we are in, in what type of uh, setting we're in. So that's been exciting for us. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think I, I've been seeing a little bit about um, patient satisfaction, but I don't know that there's there has been a lot of work done on that 
quite yet. Uh, is that something that you guys are looking into is retrieving some of that patient satisfaction information on how is their service and, and being able to capture that as well? Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So I love to talk about patient satisfaction because, you know, it's, it's been really fun for us. We, at the beginning, we weren't really sure how that was going to go. And so, you know, we sent it out. Uh, we have a survey that we, uh, that we adopted from some, some different surveys in the literature. Um, and we, we've sent them out electronically and by paper. Um, what we find is that some of our younger patients, uh, which as you would expect, uh, prefer the electronic survey while some of our older patients like to hand write us a nice little note on the, uh, the paper survey. Um, but yeah, our, our patients are, are so happy. Uh, most of the time, I, I don't think we've ever had, uh, one patient satisfaction survey come back, um, you know, with, with something negative on it. Most of the time, uh, they're telling us that our pharmacists need raises and that they love the service, um, and, and things like that. What, and what I'll tell you is that, uh, right now during COVID, um, mm-hmm. If it's been it's just been so great to connect with a patient that may be isolated, um, right. or particularly maybe that you know is 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 not talked to their loved ones or not seeing their loved ones. They're just you know they're at home and and maybe they're a little bit anxious about what's going on. Um, so we also think that you know medication uh, therapy management, comprehensive medication management, is a really really good strategy uh, to help combat COVID isolation from our patients that, you know, they just, they love that extra time and attention. Um, and, you know, they just, they just love chatting with us. Um, and that's, a, again, um, part of the value of our service is that because we don't have to spend a lot of time gathering information, we can just have nice chats with the patient and find out all kinds of great, you know, medical information and all kinds of personal information that we can use to paint the picture about the person uh, that we're doing the review for. Um, but it's, it's, it's been really great. And so another thing that we're able to do then through that is if there are any red flags or any, perhaps that patient might need a referral, uh, to some other type of support or service in the community, uh, we're able to do that too. So we can look for signs of isolation, depression, anxiety, and if we need to, uh, you know, let someone else know on the care team, we're able to do that too. So we're another kind of extra set of eyes and ears. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, having that feedback um, loop is so important to be able to share information that you're finding with all of the members on the patient's care team. So that's great that you've got that implemented as well. Um, So let's, you know, I think early on you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, whenever companies are developed, they're usually trying to solve a problem or like what's the need. And just define for us, what are some of those major barriers that, um, you know, the pharmacy profession or that pharmacists see uh, as being able to complete those MTMs? And and what exactly were, was kind of that that you shared with those two uh, individuals at those other companies? In the beginning. Yeah. So, so really I, you know, in my personal experience, uh, I just found that in a dispensing pharmacy, 
Um, typically, not all dispensing pharmacies are created equal, of course, but uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of volume, right? You're trying to get those prescriptions out the door. Um, mm-hmm. And long-term care, uh, which is, you know, charged with taking care of our most vulnerable elderly folks uh, in skilled and ALF uh, type settings, we would get high volumes of, of new prescriptions in from a transition, let's say. Um, and you'd see a lot of legacy. You could just tell that these were legacy prescriptions and you, you kind of knew, um, but you didn't really have time to dig down deep and figure out what was going on, right? You didn't really have that. Um, well, first of all, you didn't have the information. You don't really have the visibility of, and that's true, I think, in all settings. You don't really have the visibility of the patient's history and, and what, what's really going on or what went on. Um, what you have in, in front of you um, is just a set of prescriptions. And, you know, you have maybe enough time um, to, to look into some stuff clinically, of course. But, you know, for the most part, you're just making sure that um, everything, you know, everything's good, nothing interacts, all the doses are correct and things like that. You may not even know uh, what that patient's diagnosis is for these medications. And so it's really hard to do a proper review um, with, with just that information. So that's one of the things. Again, with the busy, you know, the busy environment, you're trying to get prescriptions out the door. Uh, you're, you know, you really don't have a lot of time to stop what you're doing um, and enter data into um, some disparate system. So some other system uh, that's maybe not connected to your pharmacy information system. You've got all this information, but it doesn't. So you've got to stop, uh, put all this other input. You know, you've got to do a double double work there. Um, and so I found is that a lot of pharmacists really found that it wasn't really worth their time because they didn't have time to stop um, stop that volume uh, and 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 enter in data into another system. So that's one thing. Um, another place that we saw that it breaks down uh, traditionally is in just the recommendation piece itself. I mean, pharmacists, we have to rely on those recommendations uh, most of the time, unless we have some sort of collaborative practice agreement in place. Um, so if we make a recommendation, uh, if that physician doesn't ever respond, then it's, it's, you know, that great. It's only as good as the paper it's written on at that point. Um, and so what we wanted to do was be able to break down that barrier and make sure that we had relationships with those physicians so that they would know when we send that recommendation, why it's important and why we're going to keep following up until uh, they say it's okay, until they, you know, until they either uh, tell us no or tell us yes, but we want to get a response of some sort. And so I think, you know, those are those are the biggest barriers that we saw. Um, and so we thought, well, if we could solve the problem of data, um, if we could make it so that, you know, when you go to do that review, you have all of the data that you need that you can possibly get um, on that patient for that review uh, right there at your fingertips. There's no inputting. There's no uh, faxing or any of that stuff. Um, if you could do that then you could really spend time with the patient, which is what I think uh, all of us as pharmacists want to do, right? We're, you know, we're clinically trained. Uh, we are drug experts. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, we also have uh, lots of training in chronic disease state management. Um, and so that's the, the type of stuff that we as pharmacists want to, to use, you know, our education to do. Um, and so with with the, the tools that we have, we're able to do that. And so we can break down a lot of those barriers that we talked about. 
Yeah. I mean, time and then just being able to connect with the provider um, to make sure that all of those recommendations. And then another thing too, is probably even getting in in touch with the patient, you know, setting up a time to visit with them um, and, and explaining why you're contacting them. Cause a lot of patients aren't used to pharmacists doing those types of services since even though it's not, MTM isn't necessarily a new uh, concept. um, A lot of of patients probably just aren't familiar with that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it takes a while to, to, you know, set up time or, you know, get on their calendar and, and schedule that. Um, yeah. And one of the ways that we've, uh, we've helped with that is we also have the ability to do, you know, telehealth is a big thing now. Um, the, the HIPAA compliant video call, uh, which we have available to us in our technology stack has really helped with that too. Um, especially again, for, uh, you know, those seniors that are a little bit more tech savvy, which I think is becoming, uh, you know, that's really starting to become more of a thing. I think now, especially with all the wearables and things like that, uh, that seniors have access to. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, our, the whole thing was if we could take away some of those things, some of those administrative things, some of those things that take up so much time um, in just in the MTM in general, we know that, you know, payment is there. It's, it's not the greatest, but it's, it's, it's enough. Um, it's enough to be able to, if you could just focus on performing that clinical service, um, I think, I think a whole lot more MTMs would get performed if we could just get rid of sort of the noise, if you will, uh, that comes, comes with the traditional MTM. Yes. I love that. Take away some of the administrative burden and the noise. Um, and, and that's why techno, you know, embracing technology and looking to those solutions, um, you know, we've moved to, um, more electronic prescriptions and, and things like that. But when all the systems are disparate and not talking to each other, then um, you still really haven't accomplished uh, that goal. But it's nice to see companies like Consana and others who are taking all of those different information sources, pulling the information and making it in you know one spot simplified so that caregivers um, or, you know, care, healthcare professionals can do what they do best, which is, you know, perform um, medication uh, reviews and analysis. And so love seeing, you know, these types of innovations happen. And that's what happens whenever you are building relationships and, and making, connecting those dots and things and, um, you know, having that, entrepreneurial type of mindset to, um, solve a problem. So, um, that's awesome, Carmen, that you were able to kind of, um, be a catalyst in making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's been really fun. It's been a fun, uh, couple of years kind of watching, watching this thing grow. And, and so our hope is that we can help other pharmacists, other entrepreneurs, uh, create something similar. That's, that's what we want to do. Yeah. 
Well, Carmen, um, as our final question, I love to ask all of our guests, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I would say, you know, don't box yourself in. Don't, uh, you know, when I started, gosh, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but when I started at 19 and I was just a clerk, uh, I, I had no idea what pharmacy was, what technicians were. I was, I had a totally different major in college and, you know, it's just my roommate had a job at the pharmacy kind of a thing. And, and so when they interviewed me, they said, this isn't a technician position. And I said, I don't even know what that is. Um, and so now I've gone through all these different, um, all these different steps and, and now here I am doing this. And so I, I would definitely say, don't box yourself in and don't think to yourself, well, this is, this is what I'm going to do forever. Um, because you know, you don't know where, where this journey is going to take you and where you're going to end up. Um, I would also say, you know, if you see a problem, if you see something that needs to be changed, you are the one that can solve it, especially those pharmacists in our profession. Um, our profession is changing. Um, I hope I hope it's for the better, um, but we're going to need voices. We're going to need uh, folks who are innovative and creative, like yourself, Hillary, uh, who who want to get out there and, and make our voice heard. And so, I would just say, you know, don't don't just stay in your little bubble and keep your head down and think that, um, you know, we can we can just kind of keep doing what we've always done. I don't think that we're getting the result that we want. So um, it's going to take it's going to take some maybe getting out of our comfort zone as a profession, um, but that's OK. And I think it's going to be exciting, but we just we have to do it. Yep. Awesome. Great advice. And. Yes. Um, you know, there are, um, lots of opportunities. Healthcare is certainly, um, at a, um, ready point for disruption, especially with telehealth and all of the different opportunities with that. Um, and so it's great to see, you know, pharmacists stepping up, looking at um, where the, the opportunities are and um, really helping to enhance um, some of the services that we can provide and improving patient care. So Carmen, thank you so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Hillary. I really enjoyed speaking with you. For more about pharmacists in leadership, be sure to check out my new book now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for How Pharmacists Lead, answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe rate and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating and reviewing it share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, 
Connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 